Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Glorious Mess Little Kids, Mamma Mia's podcast for people who have little children under the age of five. I am Lee Campbell. My son is 17 months old and, oh my God, he's just getting cuter. Does it get better and better? Yes. Who are you anyway? Yes. Yeah, before we leap into a conversation of life, I'm Tegan Natoli and I have three little kids under three, but yes, it does get better. Because I can see who he is now. Like he has these little quirks and sentences. And little and personality and humour. Yes. When you get to know their like little comedy humour, I think that's when it's really funny. I'm at the same stage with Banjo, I feel. I'm like, oh, you're so funny and yes, I love you so much. and I so love who much. you're becoming. It's awesome. I actually listened to one of our old episodes with Maggie Dent the mm. other day because I always like to refresh my <laughs> patience skill. for toddler tantrum. I think Alexander was like six months old. Yeah. I'm like, God, we've grown so much. We've grown so much. I need to listen to that again, actually, because yeah. I'm getting into toddler tantrums. It's a good one. I can't tell you how many people I've sent that to. Okay, I'm going to listen. Uh, yeah. Really quickly, you were in Byron Bay last week with the rest of Sydney. Yeah, the whole of New South Wales. Yes. I reminded our listeners that mums don't get a holiday on holidays. Oh, my gosh. So my husband and I literally had a fight about this. Like I was there with my family, my, my brother and my parents and their family. And my husband was like, you know, we're not spending any time together. I'm like. Because I've still got three kids, <laughs> plus I've got to spend time with my parents, plus my brother and his family. I'm like, mate, this is like the hardest working holiday I've been on in years. Totally. Mums yep. don't get holidays no, on holidays. No, I'll say it again and I'll say it again. Okay, so coming up on today's episode, we're chatting to Dr. Jodie Richardson about what it's like to be an anxious mum. So she's going to share her tips on how to coexist with our worries and look after our little ones. And of course, our WTF moment of the week, but first... We had a question in the Mamma Mia Parents Facebook group. If you're not in there, please go and join. It's very helpful. I was just berating Tegan before she doesn't join in enough. Oh, yeah. I'm not on Facebook enough. I've got to get back on there. Get back in. It's the best group. I think I'm just a bit busy with my three children. So Hayley asked in the group, she said that her toddler vocabulary is quite limited. She said she knows the phrases, wow, look how big you are. Look at that cool top on you. How cool. You're my best friend and I've got your nose. She has a six-month-old baby girl and so she's asked for suggestions on any good books to read or how to prep for the toddler stage. She says, in particular, if you've come across any positive language, empowering with choices, understanding emotions, setting healthy boundaries and consequences, and a mega bonus points for anything helping break down the unconscious bias, beliefs about gender, race, etc. Just the easy stuff. <laughs> what a great question. Yeah, good question. And it's feel like that age bracket of six months is so hard. As we were just talking about Bug at six months old, he's starting to get his personality, but he's giving nothing back totally. when they're, they're at that age. observing. Yeah, so you kind of feel like you're just talking to yourself for the whole day. But for me, look, I can't speak from reading and sourcing much information because we all know I'm just a wing it kind of mum. But I always went to music. So nursery rhymes, poems, making up songs along the way. Like that way I feel like they're engaging. It's repetition. They'll eventually pick up on it as they get a little bit older. But it's not as boring for you either. Definitely. I like that. I can so relate to this because I thought when I was pregnant, I was like, oh, my God, like how do you deal with a kid? All I knew 
was to ask a toddler, how old are you? It's like, <laughs> and half the time they don't know. They're yeah, like, I exactly. don't know. This many fingers. But I think out of boredom or f- of loneliness, I, and I, obviously researching and reading what's the best approach is just narrate your day. And from six months, it's really important to do because yes, they're just sitting there, but they are absorbing. Yeah. So I would say to Alexander, all right, buddy, let's get in the pram. Off we go to the post office. Now we're going to the supermarket. Now the paediatrician. <laughs> you know me and the paediatrician. And even in the living room, okay, now we're going to put the blocks yeah. away or whatever. And it's funny because my husband's been working from home during COVID since February or yeah. March. So he said, you narrate the entire day. And I was like, I do, don't I? Because he's in another room. He can just hear it. Yeah. But I think that's also good. Remember the episode we spoke a while back? I think it was separation anxiety. Yes. We spoke to and an you- expert. And she said, the more you involve them in your day. Yes. Where are you going? Yeah. They know what to expect and it actually keeps them calmer. Totally. I've seen the fruits of that now. Because even when he was a baby, like I store the pram in the boot. So I would often put him in the car seat and he'd start to cry because he's like, I don't want to go driving. And I'm like, no, no, buddy, just putting him in the car seat while I put the pram in the boot. So now he knows I just Got rest you. him in the car seat, put the pram in the boot, get him back out, go back up to the apartment. Yeah. And he's like getting to the stage where I say, okay, buddy, go pick a book, bring it to mummy, we read it. He goes and chooses a book. But I used to say that when he was six months old and he was like, it's almost like don't edit it for a baby. Just no. chat to them as you would. Absolutely. Even they're not like, talking and <laughs> Exactly. And I also read a really good post on Instagram that I had to send to my husband because we're so guilty of it. Don't use baby talk. Like yeah. don't say, do you want nana? Like as Alexander says nana. You say banana. Yeah. He's a banana. Yeah. Don't shorten things. Don't say tinky bum or tinky poo. My sister-in-law wouldn't say ta. Like I'm. A, I say ta. Yeah. yeah. But she said, thank she would always you. say thank you. Thank yeah. you. Which I was like, gosh, why do we do that? Like we actually, I do say I say ta, ta as a Yeah, so do I. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I can see what you mean. But you don't have to, don't think of it like baby talk, toddler talk, just talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> now time for today's guest. When we are worried about our kids, we can feel it in all different kinds of ways. Maybe we get stomach pains, throbbing headaches, or even a little nauseous. But when do these worries start to cross the line? So our guest today is Jodie Richardson, and she has had this issue, and she explains it perfectly on her website. This is what it says. I understand what it feels like to be anxious. My first symptom, feeling sick in my stomach, showed up when I was four years old. It took over 20 years for my anxiety disorder to be diagnosed, but not before it had a significant impact on both my health, happiness, and quality of life. So Jodie's latest work is Anxious Mums, and it's a book about the innate anxiety that comes along with being a mother. So firstly, Jodie, you're a mum and you live in Victoria. So how have the last few months been for you and your family? Very up and down. The first lockdown came as quite a shock and was really difficult for all of us as a family. I was actually working towards a a deadline for the book and then having the kids come home. They're 10 and 12, so still in primary school, uh, grades four and six, having them home, remote learning, but also just adjusting to a very, very new way of living. It It was pretty tough there for a little while. But the second lockdown, we got our groove and yeah, things started to sort of look up as we got into more of a routine and we just got a bit more comfortable with our new life and our new normal. Well, as two New South Welsh women, I take my hats off to <laughs> you. Women. Everyone yeah. in Victoria and Melbourne, I think, did amazing things. Yeah. How was your anxiety through that stage or did you use your own coping mechanisms, I guess, to get you and your family through it? Look, 
my anxiety was really high there for a while. The deadline for the book was the 1st of June. That was sort of the deadline for the first manuscript. And that was sort of right in the thick of the lockdown. You know, there's only so much that I could cope with at the time. The irony wasn't lost on me either that I was writing a book about <laughs> anxiety for mums. Very meta. Yeah. It was, yeah, exactly. And I guess the thing is that we get anxious and it's a really normal response to certain situations and I was very much under a set of circumstances that were very anxiety provoking. There was a lot of overwhelm, so much uncertainty and so much worry about the virus and keeping us safe and, you know, our loved ones safe. We've got older parents and my husband's mum's 83. And and so, especially with a, a big deadline, very normal response to very stressful circumstances. But certainly the one thing that kept me in check was I did reach out for help. I talked a lot to friends, family and uh, exercise every single day is uh, one of my great coping strategies. And, and that made a really really big difference. Yeah, that's really interesting. And on your website, you mentioned that you've experienced anxiety from the age of four. Do Mm. you feel that mum anxiety and and I suppose childhood or adolescent anxiety is really different? Well, look, the signs and symptoms, you know, the the crossover because anxiety is the brain and body's response to anticipation of a threat. And so it it impacts us differently in that, you know, as kids, sometimes if you don't understand what's happening, there can be a lot of internal worry and a lot of challenges that you might not know how to express, might not necessarily know how to seek help for. Whereas I'd hope that for adults, even though, you know, it's it's equally challenging that there's more awareness among adults and, and I'd like there to be more awareness among kids as well. But the key things about anxiety is that it causes a lot of worry, it causes a lot of physical symptoms and it results in a lot of avoidance, you know, not wanting to do the things that provoke it, make us feel uncomfortable or uncertain and it affects adults and kids the same that way as well. And when do you think that it's time for someone to seek help? Yeah, like I think every mother worries. So what's normal worry and when Hmm. is it a problem? Yeah, or or to some degree I feel like everyone experiences levels of anxiety in general. So when is it troublesome? Yeah, when it's getting in the way of day-to-day life is one way to look at it. So we all do worry. I think, you know, from the time we're pregnant, it never stops. But if we can have worries and manage those thoughts and get on with doing what we need to do and it's not getting in the way of, you know, daily functioning, it's not stopping us from doing things, it's not excessive, it's not all day every day, then that's okay. But when to worry about your anxiety is when you're experiencing the signs and symptoms of anxiety, you know, the the racing heart, the pit in your stomach, the avoidance, the the worry. When you're experiencing that more days than not over many, many weeks and it's really just stopping you from being able to do what you want to do. But I would say to anyone listening, if you think your anxiety could be a problem, just go and ask because you've got zero to lose. You can get the reassurance that you're having a normal response to a stressful situation or it's just kind of a normal part of being a parent because we worry about our kids or whether or not it is spilling over into becoming more of a problem, in which case there's really great help out there for all of us. So say a parent listening to this is like, okay, that might be me. I think that I might, you know, have some sort of anxiety going on here around being a parent of a young person. What are the next steps? What do they do? Go to your GP. That's the very best thing that you can do because the GP is the first port of call. It's somebody that you can talk to, a professional who can straight up get an idea of where you're at. Normal worry is in normal anxiety, I should say, is infrequent. So they're going to be able to get a 
you know, give you some feedback straight away and maybe give you some strategies straight away. But also here in Australia, we're so lucky we can get a mental health care plan. And what that entitles us to is a rebate on appointments with a a helping professional like a psychologist. And so if you do go and seek help, because you know, for some people, the costs are prohibitive. Mm. And, you know, there are free counselling services and, you know, counsellors are another alternative as well. But I like to encourage people to get their A team together where you've got your GP and you've then got a psychologist and in some cases a psychiatrist if the GP wants to bring in another professional in terms of managing medication and so on. Then you've got people who are professional who can support you who can talk to each other if necessary and make sure that you're getting help from all angles. So I always say go to your GP first. I think that's a really great approach. I have a psychiatrist and I think it's really important to talk about that stuff because I think as a mother, you take it all on and you think I'll soldier on and I'll get through this because I've got to put the kids first and the husband and the work and sometimes you just can't and you need the help of those professionals. But I've also found for me personally, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this, I joined mother's group and I thought it wasn't for me, so I quit. (laughs) And then I rejoined the mother's group. group. I quit mother's group. Well, I was too busy. I was too anxious. Um, (laughs) And having those women in the exact same life stage in terms of young children have been really helpful for my anxiety and worry because I can jump in the group and say, oh, this is happening to my son. And they'll say, oh, don't worry. I feel that too. And I feel like being felt and seen and heard helps to relieve that. Do you recommend that even though they're not technically professionals? Oh, 100%. And I think really, you know, with with what's happened this year, there's a lot of mums that have missed out on that. And I hope that they can connect with other women with similar age children because absolutely, I think it's really reassuring because especially with a first child, particularly there's the first rash, that post-viral rash that Mm. you're like, oh my gosh, you know, like what is this? So those lumps and bumps when glands come up and, you know, developmental milestones that occur over such a long period of time. And it's just really reassuring. And just having a chat, sometimes we don't even need anybody to answer our questions or solve our problems. We just need other people who get it, who can like really empathize with us and say, yeah, I get it. I get it. I've been there. I know how you're feeling. And Leah and I uh, always do chat about how that's why social media is so great because even if you don't know the person, you can make that connection, you know, sometimes across the world. You might be like, yes, I can relate to that. And you're like, oh, thank God. I thought it was the only one. Yeah. I do have a question though, in regards to a parent feeling anxiety, are there any tips so that they can ensure that their anxieties aren't being transferred to their children at all? Oh, it's it's so important. Anxiety is contagious. And I think what our kids need to see is that we're human and that we experience the whole spectrum of human emotions, as do they. I think we're getting really good at teaching our kids that all feelings are okay, but mm. we need to know that for ourselves and role model that for our kids. And so when our anxiety builds, we need to be able to take some time out to manage it. Look, I've had an anxiety disorder, you know, for, for, I can't remember not having one, to be honest. And, you know, I'm medicated and I have a lot of tools in my toolkit. But I still say to my kids sometime, look, I'm feeling really anxious at the moment. And so I'm not feeling patient. You might want to head out and give me sort of 10, 20 minutes and I'm just going to cook the dinner on my own or I'm going to I'm going to go and go for a run or take some breaths or just sort of really, I think, keeping them in the loop in an age appropriate way, of yeah. course, not oversharing, but also <laughs> just knowing that when our kids' anxiety builds, ours can easily build too. We can really mirror that. And just to know that when their anxiety is building, if we can just take some deep breaths and recognize that it's helpful if we can cool ourselves down a little bit with just being in the moment, being present, practicing a mindfulness strategy or 
or if we can't, you know, help them sort out whatever's going on for them in that moment, uh, calling in for a little bit of help if we have another parent in the house or, you know, even just doing a little bit of a delay and and saying, look, I'm going to come back to you when I can give you a really good support, the support that you need. It's, I think, just being open and communicating, helping our kids see that we have all sorts of emotions. When we cope out loud and let Mm -hmm. them know how we're managing, we're not only keeping things from boiling over in the house but we're also teaching them that we all have these challenges and this is how we can all cope. I think yeah. that's so important. Otherwise, and I've experienced this, if you just soldier on through it, it all falls apart and it's worse good, and later. It, yeah, and it's good to normalise anxiety because yeah. happiness is not a default. Yeah, exactly. Mm, and exactly. I think it's how do we expect our kids to talk about it and to seek the help that they might one day need if yes, we aren't if doing that. if we're ashamed that. of those yeah, feelings exactly. Jodie, I, mm. I hope you don't mind me asking and please don't answer if you're not comfortable but were you on medication prior to falling pregnant? And if so, were you worried about that stage of pregnancy and parenting? Uh, I, I wasn't actually. I wasn't on medication then. I actually took medication when I was first diagnosed with depression, which was how my anxiety disorder got discovered when it sort of <laughs> became a problem with a comorbid challenge of depression was really tough. So I took uh, antidepressants then, weaned off those as I started to get a lot of therapy and understand my anxiety and get help with that. When I was pregnant and I had both children, I for a long time refused to take medication. And as you read in the book, I really felt like I had to sort of find out what was going on with me that taking medication was going to fix or help with the symptoms, but I wouldn't understand what the cause of my challenges were. Mm -hmm. So I don't think like that anymore. I know it's part of a toolkit and that it's not to solve all of our problems. It's not something that, that is a standalone management technique and not everyone needs it, but, but I know I do. But when I was breastfeeding McKinley, who's now 10, I was in the mother baby unit because my anxiety was off the charts and they implored me to take medication. And I was so worried about the implications for her health, me taking a medication that Mm -hmm. I decided not to jump on board right then and there. But I uh, started taking medication after I'd finished feeding. But there are medications and with the help of a psychologist, you can actually you don't have to wait, yes. but you do need the right advice. But at the time, I was way too anxious about taking yeah, anxiety medication. It was ridiculous. Oh, it's such a cycle. Yeah, I can um, relate to that too. And I think it, there's such a stigma and I did the same. It, I had a bit of a breakdown when my baby was seven weeks and I was like, absolutely not having any medication. And then <laughs> finally found someone that I could talk to who happened to be a psychiatrist, even though I was looking for a psychologist. And he put me on a path that's been so helpful. But I was the same as you. I thought that I didn't know if it was weak. I didn't want it to mask what was going on, but it really was just a tool, like you say, in my toolkit, but there was lots of other tools. I had to eat well and look after myself and ask for breaks. Mm. And so it's really good, Jodie, that you're chatting about that because I think it's not a fix it all, but also it's nothing to be ashamed of. There's not of. one cure. That's right. you got to find what works for you. And that worked for me. And, you know, my husband, I joke, w- would have been awesome to have <laughs> jumped on board that year a lot sooner. But in fact, Peter said to me, because he was struggling to cope and he'd been coping with my being the main support for my mental health for a long time. And he said, look, is this something you consider doing for the family? And that was a real change for me because I, mm. it wasn't something I could do for myself. I felt like I've got to keep working. I've got to keep working and not understanding enough at the time. But when he said, do you think you could do it f- for all of us? Mm. And 
And at that stage, you're like, yes, I'd do anything for my family. (laughs) Isn't that why I'm feeling this way? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So, yeah, no, that's exactly right. If we can all talk more about it, we can just normalise it because so many more people are on medication or could benefit from getting more help with their anxiety than might be willing to actually discuss it at the moment. Oh, Jodie, thank you so much for being so candid and honest. We really appreciate it. And it's been fantastic having you on the show. Oh, thank you so much for, Thanks, for the chat, guys. All the Great best with the book. You. Yes. See you soon. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. What the? What the? What the? What the? Parenting? WTF moment of the week. Tegan Natoli. Yes. Can okay. And I know that you're angry at me because you did ask the Facebook Mamma Mia parents group. I'm not angry question. at you. I just have much <laughs> advice. Well, you're just like, well, if you paid attention, you'd know. Tell me. So I want to know what everyone's getting their daycare teachers for Christmas. Now, before I launch into this, these women to me are like Mother Teresa. Totally. I walk in and I'm like, I don't Take know. Take my how- children. Yeah, and like this is hell on earth for me. Like you are surrounded by all these children including my own, for the whole day, every day, and I don't know how you do it. And they're like nurses. They are like the heroes that don't wear capes. Yeah, they're little so, angels. you know what? I want to spoil them a little bit for Christmas because all year they've had to put up with my toddlers and I think they deserve a nice present. I'm how s- many? Uh, hang on, a so banjo and the, the girls thing. in separate rooms? Yes. Oh, so you've got 100 people to buy. No, so that's the thing as well because obviously there's the main teachers but then there's ones that are like casual. So I feel like there's different tiered oh, presents. That's this is why snap. I'm flustered. Too political. So Alexander's room has seven educators. Wow. Yeah. And so I have to get seven of whatever or a share present. But I don't think you can do tiers. No, because I don't even have seven collaboratively. Oh. No. So I think there's like two for the twins. There's two main ones for Banjo. How many people in their class? Only small. Like only like not many. (laughs) Yeah. Well, legally there has to be one carer per four children. Oh, I thought it was for five. Oh, Oh, maybe when they get older. Sorry, that's Alexander's age. Maybe when they get older. So what are you thinking? Or you have no idea? So I'm thinking, you know how like cotton. On has some great knickknacks, like they've got a bit of everything, like well, typo. typo, like they mm. all collaborative. So there's actually cute little like totes that you can get the initial on. But it was funny because one of the teachers I didn't know her last name, so yeah. I had to call the daycare the other day. But it's really cheap. But then I'm like, I don't know, is that cheap? No, that's nice. Like 20, 20, 25 bucks for the main ones. I don't that's know, is that fine. Povo? Not at all. I th- it depends on you know you've got a lot of expenses at Christmas. So I asked in the Mamma Mia parents group, and it was really good because a lot of educators are in there. No to chocolates. They get way too many chocolates. Yeah. What was appreciated was something to share in the staff room. So often they got big crates of mangoes or big crates of cherries oh, yeah. and they're healthy. Yeah. Divided was uh, like a Christmas bauble with your kid's name on it. Like, thank you, love Alexander. Ew, I would not want that if I was a I teacher. wouldn't either. But, and some educators <laughs> did, but another one was like, I've been doing this for 25 years. My Christmas tree is going to fall over. Like with other people's children's <laughs> names on it. <laughs> it's a bit weird. But I don't know. I mean, they love kids. I don't like other kids. They obviously love kids. <laughs> But <laughs> most common and most appreciated on all grounds was yeah. a coffee voucher or a food voucher for the closest cafe. Oh, that's nice. Because they can pop out and get on their break yeah, and get a coffee. that's nice. So I might do that or I might do beauty parcels because I can. <laughs> oh, that's so great. But that's th- a great idea. I think you don't want to be that mum that outdoes everyone too no, much. Because no, you've got to be course. conscious of family's budget. Of course. I, I definitely agree. But then the other thing is I don't want to miss out. Like I love the girls at, at the front desk. Like yeah. the reception oh, you have girls. to. You have to do so 
So yeah. I'm going to do like little coffee mug things Cute. for them. And and also I, some friends I've spoken to, their daycares communicate and put in for a group gift, yeah, whereas there's no nice. functionality. We have an app, but we can't chat to other parents without the no. educators seeing no. it. Anyway, it's a tough old world out there. It is hard. And I think, yeah, I don't know. You don't know the budget. You're like, mm. is it? I don't know. You won't get it wrong. It's the thought. Yes, it's that's true. Thought. Like when I used to be a singing teacher, just nothing, like anything, just yeah. like even the silliest little thing cards. would be so lovely. Total. So yeah, I, I should have read. I maybe cards. I should stop reading into it so much. <laughs> so my WTF is a rant. I haven't ranted oh, for a while. I'm looking forward to this. I am furious. <gasps> so the days I don't work, Wednesdays and Fridays, my little bug and I have a bit of a routine now. We go to this really great big park nearby. We walk there. We get there about 8.15, 8.30. Oh, that's early. Is it? He's been up for hours by then. <laughs> yes, we're, we're five <laughs> thirds through the day. Exactly. And then you look at your watch and you're like, God damn it. <laughs> so there's a bunch of teenagers always at this park in and on and around the equipment. So not just loitering but like. Is this before school? Yeah, so they're waiting to go into school. Yeah. And obviously school's about to break up so this is probably redundant. But they'll be piled on the swings, piled on the windy thingy, like everything that the kids, young kids want to go on. It's not a huge issue personally because Alexander's still at the stage where he just loves running around outside so he'll run on the grass and on the stuff but there's oftentimes other mothers of three and four year olds sitting there kind of passive aggressively looking at these teenagers going get off the swing because there's a three-year-old going mommy I want to go on the swing and these teens just loiter and they're completely like oblivious oh they know they're just just, angsty teenagers so then I was like do I write to the school because it's a local girls school where I live oh they're girls all girls oh I'm surprised yeah I know I thought that too I was like where's your motherly instincts (laughs) um and then I was like do I write to the school and say can you please put a notice out to your students to not play on the equipment that's for toddlers. It's totally. like clearly a toddler park. That's a bit Karen of me. So I thought I would just come on this podcast and rant about it generally. No, do you know what? I would Karen away would you? about that. Yeah. It's just like, frustrating. Okay, here's my point. If I was a mother of those girls, I would want them to be told not to. Yeah. If that makes sense. Totally. Like, it's fair enough if they were playing on it and you're like, okay. Well, they are. They're all swinging and stuff. But, like, they're all piling on top of each other and swearing and talking about boys. And, like, Uh, don't sit on the swing. Getting drunk and smoking (laughs) meth. But there's there's lots of other places around the park to just sit in this lovely grass. Like maybe they could just sit over there. Like this yeah, poor three and, and four-year-olds. Yeah, flower head change. Totally. I just think it's rude. But maybe practice. I'm expecting too much from 16-year-old girls. No, do you know what? I don't think that's too Karen. I think it's just like community. I'm very community. <laughs> yeah, like when I like am too. so's rich. Like the sidewalk outside our house was all uneven, and he emailed the council and was like, "Excuse me." And, and did then it they get ca- fixed? Yep, that's next week and they came and repaved it. And if he didn't, they wouldn't. Totally. You know. All right, maybe I'll email them. Uh that's <laughs> it for today, guys. Feel free to connect with us during the week. We love it. Well, Tegan doesn't because she doesn't get in the Facebook group. No, but I'm I do. I'm going. I'll see you there, guys. I'm going to be there. <laughs> Share your WTF moment of the week by emailing tgm at mamamia.com.au or give us a buzz and leave a message on the pod phone 028999386 also don't forget we now answer your very important dilemmas Mm. like the toddler language one because we are clearly experts and in the meantime if you're not in the Mamma Mia Parents Facebook group we'll put a link in the show notes so you can join this glorious mess is brought to you by Mamma Mia and this episode is produced by Eliza Ratliff and Michaela Floriano have a wonderful week and see you next time bye
Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.